You are listening to the Our View podcast, where we aim to educate, raise awareness, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. Every week, we bring you episodes that are centered around topics related to disabilities. As the host, it is my hope that you are not just inspired by these stories that are shared, but that you put some action behind your inspiration to do something that improves the lives of those who live with disabilities. I thank you, our loyal listeners, for your support and remind you to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Our View for Life and to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to tell us what you enjoy most about the podcast. Let's get into this conversation. I would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Our View podcast, where we aim to educate, raise awareness, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. I am your host, Arthur Aston, and I am happy to have my guest on today, Anya. And thank you so much for joining me uh, today for this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Arthur. It's fantastic to be here. I'm really excited about having a good long chat with you. Yes, yes, I'm very excited too uh, for you to share uh, your story and and um, you know I won't give it away yet, but <laughs> just some uh, cool things that we have planned for this uh, for this episode and for this conversation. Okay. So yeah, so to start off, can you share with us a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are. Um, tell us what you like to do for fun and for uh, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube. Um, or for those of you who are not watching this on YouTube, can you share um, a little bit about your picture that you have in the background? Because I really love it. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll certainly do that. Yes. So my name is Anya Stoddart. I am an acupuncturist and a mindfulness meditation teacher. I started my own acupuncture clinic, start, um, specializing in pain relief for about 15 years ago, um, started meditating about the same time and uh, started teaching it, I think about could be 10 years ago. Uh, so prior to that, I've been a fitness instructor. I've um, I've always had a real strong interest in looking after my own health, you know, whether that was exercise, whether that was nutrition. And then as I got into my 40s, I was like, OK, you need to do a little bit more with the mental health side of things. And that's really what got me into the meditation um, aspect. So I had previously also worked as a yoga instructor. So I already had a good idea of how meditation worked and what it would do. It's just a question of getting down to doing the practice. So uh, so that really reflects on the things that I like to do because I like to do things that are quite active. So I love walking. Um, I love going to Pilates. I go to a Pilates class every week. Um, what else? Oh, I really love reading. So that is the sort of counterbalance to all the exercise. So there's nothing nicer than curling up in the armchair with a good book. <laughs> Um, and I just really love doing my meditation. I'm a real meditation geek. So I, I, I yeah, I really enjoy my practice. And um, yeah, so I can do quite long practices, but you don't have to do really long practices. It's just because I really, I have a lot of things that I like to weave into it. Oh. So um, my background here, uh, if I get out of the way slightly, can you sort of see that is a, there's a lighthouse back there? Yes. So this um, and the rainbow. Oh, no, that way. That's mm -hmm. the rainbow. Um, <laughs> so that was taken on the Isle of Mull, which is one of the islands off the north of Scotland. And 
because it rains quite a lot in little rain squalls over the sea, but often the sun's still shining, you get these, keep doing it the wrong way, the ra these rainbows coming up all of the time. So we were on holiday there well, 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 quite a few years ago now, and uh, my husband's a photographer, so it's just one of those scenes that's just asking to be taken a picture of, and... <laughs> Yeah, and it just I use it um, when I'm doing my training online with people for meditation and stuff because I just think it's 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 got all the colours of the rainbow in, and that sort of reflects back a lot in how we are in ourselves. We have all of these colours, these emotions, these feelings. A lot of things come together um, to make us and who we are. So it sort of ties into that idea as well. Yes, I I love it. Um, the the picture it's um, being near water is very uh, healing for me. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about self care and things like that. Um, so when I saw it, I was like, oh my goodness, like that's a great picture. And with the rainbow, it's just uh, looks very peaceful. <laughs> Beautiful spot, yeah. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you are an acupuncturist. Um, can you share with us and explain more about um, what that is and some common reasons why someone might see an acupuncturist and how it can be, uh, how it can have a positive impact on the body? Yeah, so um, acupuncture is based on a slightly crazy idea, really, if you think about it, of inserting very fine needles into the body. Um, so this was a methodology that developed originally in China, but has um, but is also taken up by Japan and Korea and um, other countries which developed their own systems with it. So the idea is that you are putting um, needles into the body in order to give the body a signal to change what it's doing. So. Um, if we think about when things aren't quite right, there's an imbalance comes in the body. So it might be that if you're in a lot of pain, there's a lot of inflammation, there might be a lot of muscle tension, for instance. What you're trying to do is take that back the opposite way. We want the inflammation to calm down. We want the muscles to calm down. So that's bringing it back towards an equilibrium, a center point. So if there are, so if there's too much of stuff going on, then we're trying to calm that stuff down. If there's not enough stuff going on. So um, if you have very cold hands and feet, if you um, have really poor digestion um, and we want a bit more activity in those areas, you would use, again, the needles in the right places to encourage a bit more action. So the way the needles communicate into the body is by sending a tiny physical signal through to the nervous system. We also think it might be sending possibly a little electrical signal through to the nervous system, and that is encouraging a response. Um, if there is an injury, then what the needles will be doing is flagging up this area needs sorting out and it's not been sorted out properly. And that will encourage in lots of the white blood cells that come in to do the healing work. So the white blood cells are there to chew up anything that's dead and get rid of it, attack any bacteria or, or anything else that's causing a problem. And then it calls in the blood cells that actually rebuild the tissue and fix it all together again. So it's, it's acting in a way to make the body <clears throat> get itself sorted out 
when it's in an unsorted way. Great. That so, was a great explanation. Cool. <laughs> so what do we use it for? So I use it um, for specializing in pain relief. So that, that is um, pain anywhere. So it could be migraines, headaches, neck and shoulder problems, back problems, sciatic pain, hip pain, knee pain, foot pain, um, tummy pains, the whole the whole back shebang there. So I use it an awful lot. A lot of my patients um, are patients with migraine or um, I get quite a lot of constant constant tension headaches coming in. Um, so there's some really good points around the back of the head that you will use quite often for those. Sometimes points around the face that you will use for those. Um, so headaches, uh, yeah, neck and shoulder pain. Uh, what else is I going to say? Oh, yes, inflammatory conditions. So if you have um, like rheumatoid arthritis, um, I have some patients who come in like every six weeks for like a top up type treatment. Um, so one of my ladies that comes in regularly for that ends up with a buildup of aches and pains in her in her shoulders, her elbows and her knees. So we work on those um, every time I see her. And that is encouraging the flow of blood through those areas so that there's um, with the inflammatory condition, you're getting a stickiness and a slow movement through the area with the acupuncture needles. We're trying to get that flow back to a good speed um, to clear away any of the toxins that have built up as, as a result of not being able to move very well and to get all of those muscles responding and moving just the way you would want them to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, inflammatory conditions. Often there is uh, stress, anxiety related to having particularly long term pain conditions. So acupuncture is also very good at calming those down as well. So in those sorts of cases, what I would be tending to do is do some treatment on the body itself. Um, so there are particular points that you can choose which are very good at calming the mind. Um, so pretty much every single acupuncture treatment I would use those on somebody as well and so the response for that are often is that people have a nice little snooze on my couch <laughs> and then um yeah need a magic carpet to get them home again because they're really <laughs> So that wouldn't be an uncommon response. So um, you can use meditation, uh, meditation. You can use acupuncture for things like um, fertility treatment as well. That's another popular area. And I, I do do some of that. I don't do it as a big portion of, of what I do, but that, that I can also do that as well. Great. Yeah. That's um, I shared with you before that I, um, I, I thought about, uh, doing uh, acupuncture, but I haven't uh, tried it yet, but I know it has many uh, uses and, and it has many benefits. And I, I know a few people that have tried it for many different uh, ailments, like you said, with the migraines and tension headaches and um, inflammation and how they, you know, they, they really enjoy it and really can see a difference after, uh, after using it and doing it consistently, of course. Uh, you know, they have really seen a, a big change in the way that, uh, you know, their body responds to it, a positive way that their body responds to it. Um, <clears throat> and an another thing that you mentioned um, and talked about was mindfulness. And uh, that's something that I uh, really enjoy uh, talking about as well. Uh, so can you share with us what mindfulness is 
and uh, how it can be used to turn down the volume on pain. You use that phrase of turning down the volume on pain uh, when we were <laughs> talking and discussing uh, about you being on the podcast, and I really love that. So can you uh, share with us uh, what mindfulness is and how it can be used to uh, help with uh, pain? So mindfulness is your present moment awareness of what's going on. Um, so in terms of, so that can apply to anything. It just doesn't just have to be uh, in a link with meditation. That could be, uh, obviously you're mindful when you are boiling a kettle and you're trying not to spill water on yourself. That is a moment of mindfulness. So that is um, what you might call your everyday practical end of mindfulness. But there is also moving um, away from, the, from that side of things to be more aware of what you're thinking and feeling and how that's making you act and respond to situations. So the mindfulness would be, um, I often talk about this with my patients, actually with pain patients, if they've got um, a pain, a, like a headache that comes over the back of their head, then I'll be asking them, what are you doing during the day? Are you spending a lot of time looking down? So that could be looking at a computer, that could be looking at their phone, um, it could be that they they're um, a craftsperson, so they're literally making things on a table and it means they're looking down all of the time, which creates is quite a lot of tension here in the back of the back of the neck and uh, shoulder muscles as well. So part of what they could do to look after themselves better after having had an acupuncture treatment is being aware of how the back of their head is feeling, how much time have they been spending looking in that downward position and um, uh, what's the word setting in place a little message that says to them change your position you know have a stretch at this moment in time because if you don't you know this pain is going to start uh, moving and getting worse again so you need to do something like roll your shoulders around go and look at something outside just um, change what the angle of your head is that it's doing. So that's one of the ways that mindfulness can be used to actually track what you're doing and remind yourself that you're trying not to end up in a painful situation. You're trying to end up in a more comfortable situation. So you can use it in that physical way, um, tracking physical signals, but you can also use it um, tracking your thoughts. So um, I was having a, a conversation with one of my meditation students this morning and she's just had an epiphany, which was she realizes how much she um, tells herself off and calls herself stupid. You're stupid for doing this and you're stupid for not remembering that and you're stupid for doing it this way when you should do it that way. And she suddenly realized how often she is having that conversation with herself. So now moving forward over the next few weeks, she's going to use her mindfulness to pick up on when she's doing that and, and, and diverting that thought into something that's a lot more positive. Yeah, the self-talk that we say to our things we say to ourselves, <laughs> you know, and that's it's um, I heard somebody say um, something to the effect of you know, our self-talk a lot of times is stuff that we would never say to somebody else. So why would we yeah. say it to ourselves? Like, you know, and, and we, you know, we all do it at times. And uh, as you said, to be, just be aware of it and to, you know, get yourself out of that way of thinking, think more positive. I think that's a great, a great thing. And um, 
it's interesting you were talking about mindful mindfulness and um you know we're, we're recording right now i'm sitting in front of a window and it just out of nowhere it just started pouring rain <laughs> and thunder and everything so i'm just like okay so i'm i'm aware of that and i'm <laughs> You know, I'm aware of that and, you know, being aware of your conversation of just like what's going on outside. I don't know, but <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> but uh, yep. just to, uh, you know, to, to again, to take in everything and just be aware. And, and I have definitely uh, used mindfulness in the, um, you know, of, of my aches and pains that I have in my body and just being aware of them and saying, okay, what like, what is this? Where is it coming from? What actually, you know, hurt? Is something wrong? Uh, because my mobility, my my disability impacts my mobility. So if my knees hurt, it's just like, okay, is this an everyday ache and pain? Or did I twist something? Or, you know, so just being mindful of, um, you know, what things feel like. And, and, you know, again, is it is it an everyday thing? Nothing to be concerned about? Or is this something I might have to Go see a doctor about i don't know um so it, it has definitely been a part of my life mindfulness in in that way um for you know most of my life i think without even you know before i knew it had a name i would say yeah so mindfulness can end up being it can be a force for good but it can also be a not such a good force for good mm -hmm. because it can set you off into a cycle of uh, a pattern of thoughts should i say which don't always end up in a good place so there can be a lot of anxiety around having a particular ache or pain and your mind can start if you're noticing it frequently then it's very easy for your mind to start going you know is it cancer? Is it, you know, something quite extreme? Is it right. the worst possible case scenario? Um, so paying attention to things um, is good. Being mindful is good. It's just the question of what direction is your mind going into afterwards? Right. That is right. another way that you can use your mindfulness and going, well, okay, I'm not telling myself off, but am I getting very anxious about something but actually if I stand back and go oh yeah you know yesterday I did crash into that door and that's why my knee hurts today so actually mm -hmm. it's not a big emergency I don't need to worry about it I just need to look and see if there's a bruise or something right exactly yeah that is so so true <laughs> yeah. yeah so um to shift the conversation a little bit um I would like to start talking about meditation and um, how meditation can be helpful um, and useful as a self-care tool. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So meditation is about um, having a time of stillness and calmness. And if you aren't particularly brilliant at being still or calm, then it's providing you a little bit of an opportunity to practice that and get it better. So stillness and calmness is a skill. We're not all just born being able to do it. Mm -hmm. Whatever level we're at, it, we can get better with it. So it's about spending some time being calm and still and you have something to focus on, uh, which you direct your mind at. And you're using that, that focus point to slow down the speed of your thoughts and to try and create a bit more space between them. Mm 
So when you first start meditating, um, one of the things you notice is is completely opposite. You suddenly go, oh, wow, all of these thoughts coming through all the time. That's crazy. And I'm trying to stop them. You're not trying to stop them with meditation. You're just trying to slow them down. And so that's where you have your focus point, which can be something like focusing on your breath. You direct your mind to following the movement of your breath. And that means that you can stop thinking about all the other stuff. In real life, you'll stay focused on your breathing for a little while and then thoughts will start to spring back into action. So often you'll have a conversation with yourself about, you know, am I doing it right? Am I getting the right results? What should I be feeling? Those are just ordinary thoughts that you're trying to ignore and just bring your mind back to I'm going to focus on my breath. So the whole idea with that is when you are just trying to focus on one thing rather than letting lots of stuff come through your head, it has a calming and soothing effect. So it can. So just going back to turning down the volume on pain, which I just suddenly thought I didn't actually answer that question. The whole um, idea with turning down the volume of pain is you have a pain. Then you have a whole load of thoughts about your pain and those thoughts can end up getting quite anxious. So if you can calm down that anxiety and, and get it to drain away, then you have automatically then um, downregulated what how bad that pain feels because the anxiety pain on top of the actual pain gives you double the pain. If you get rid of the anxiety and make that a much more reasonable calmer thought, then that pain volume will go down. So the idea with meditation is that whole process of what am I thinking? I don't need to follow those thoughts. I can just come back into this calm space. Mm. So that is, um, yeah, the essence of what a meditation is about. Yeah, I um, I shared with you uh, earlier before we recorded, started recording, and I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, I, um, I enjoy float therapy uh, yeah. for myself. And um, the place I go to, they have pools. So it's literally, you know, a room, it's, it's a pool, it's two, I think, two feet deep, and, you know, six by six <laughs> uh, wide and six foot long. Um, and you just you literally float, I do 90 minute floats. Um, before 2020, I was going consistently once a month. Um, and then everything had shut down here for a while. And then I went a couple times last year, nothing like what I was used to going to. But in those 90 minutes, um, you have the option of turning off all the lights and all of the, um, they play like music, instrumental music. And you have the option of turning everything off. So it can be completely silent, completely dark. And I always tell people this room is the darkest room I have ever <laughs> ever experienced <laughs> there's no there's no light coming in from anywhere um and i absolutely love it and it is a time like you said to slow down all of those thoughts that i have about everything and every little thing that you know stuff i didn't realize i was thinking about that all of <laughs> all of a sudden pop into my head in in these moments and just to uh, sit and relax and focus on like you said my breath and just to um you know, take it all in, take it in that moment and just relax and just let, let things, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, it's let, let the thoughts come, but don't let them overtake my, my mind and overtake my, my thoughts and just let them pass through. And, 
slow yeah. things down, as you said, which is uh, exactly that. So your meditation is is a, a brilliant time when you can go, what am I thinking about? And but I don't need to follow that thought. I can just let it pass through. Right. And um it's that letting go practice. So often the you if something goes wrong and it is worrying you, somebody might very helpfully say, just let it go. Mm -hmm. and uh and usually the response is like how do i do that so <laughs> the um so this how do you do that this meditation is a process that takes you through that letting go process so the next time something comes up that is worrying you or making you angry or anxious or whatever it may be you can go well hang on i can step back from that i don't have to let those feelings flood me and completely dominate i can step back and then just let those go so you can do the sort of what I call the equivalent of stepping up onto the top of your mountain and looking down from a distance at whatever the problem is. And then suddenly it's not completely here in your face. It's a much smaller thing down here and you can sort of see the edges of it and where it came in and and also actually how it might go out. Mm -hmm. So that is um, so that letting go process, that stepping back from being swept away by stressful thoughts. That's, um, again, one of the things you're working for with your meditation. Yeah, that's uh, so glad you explained it in that way. That's a really great thing. And also, I love that you said it's not something that everybody's born with. <laughs> like, you, you know, it's it's a thing that you have to practice. It's a thing you have to keep trying and, and try different ways of doing it different um, in different settings. And I know some people that are comfortable with uh, laying down and, you know, doing that and uh, people that are comfortable with sitting up or a certain position, uh, like you said, you teach yoga and things, um, you know, and other uh, methods like that, you can uh, be in a certain position where you're comfortable with doing it and uh, it's different for everybody and you have to find out what works, uh, what works best for you. For, as an individual yeah. I think because you've already had this experience of floating and calming your mind in that time so you're already familiar with what that process feels like <laughs> so um, I think that meditation would be something you pick up on very quickly because you already mm -hmm. know the experience that you're trying to be aware of the challenge is you were only doing it by going to your flotation room and having all the lights switched off. But what did you do for the rest of the month? Right. So that's where your meditation comes in. It's dealing with the everyday processes um, and having that, that skill set that you can go, I don't, the, I can calm myself down. I don't mm -hmm. have to go to the flotation pool and be in the dark in order to calm myself right. down. I can do it right now here in the moment as this mm -hmm. thing is happening. So yes. it's it's I see it as a very practical, everyday, pragmatic tool. It's not um, about, you know, isolating yourself off in a monastery or, you know, being on your own and letting nobody talk to you in order to get um, to this. It's a real tool that you use. Well, having people around you are always going to set you challenges. So it's being able to deal with kindly and compassionately as you can um, all of those people and situations that happen to us that could spin us off into quite negative directions um, if we're not careful. Yes, yeah, and and thankfully for, for myself, I definitely uh, have learned um, to, you know, like you, like you just mentioned, I can, you know, be here in my apartment and just 
you know, turn everything off and just have a moment for myself. Not, you know, not necessarily something too long or at night I can um, really, you know, find the time to really do it and just relax all of my muscles and, you know, get into a nice place before I, you know, drift off to sleep. So it is uh, something, again, that has taken time to do <laughs> uh, and a lot of practice to do uh, to, uh, you know, to make that happen. But, you know, through the years, I've been able to uh, make that happen for myself and, you know, like I said, wherever I am, which is really great. Uh, so um, our, our conversation today has focused a lot on uh, mindfulness and meditation and um, if you could, could you lead us in a, um, a brief meditation um, of anything, anything that you choose? <laughs> sure, I will. So we are going to do a breathing meditation because breathing meditations are just one of the simplest things to do. And they also have a really powerful effect. So I would just like you to start by paying attention to your shoulders and just allowing them to relax. Now, what we're going to do to begin with is link the process of breathing with lifting and lowering the shoulders. So as you breathe in, you're just going to lift the shoulders up a little way. And then as you breathe out, you're going to let your shoulders come down. So you can use that as a way of really tracking and feeling that process of breathing. So again, just breathe in and let those shoulders lift up. And then just hold them up a little bit at the end of your inward breath. And then when you feel like you're ready to breathe out, let your shoulders come down. Keep breathing out. Keep letting your shoulders come down and down. And then when the breath has run out, again, pause. And then when you're ready to breathe in again, let your shoulders lift. When you run out of your inward breath, pause. Wait for the moment where your intuition tells you, breathe out. And then again, let your shoulders come down, come down, and come down. Okay, now take your hand and place it on your breastbone here. And again, just take that same process of breathing exactly as we've just been doing with the shoulder lifting so you're just breathing in at the end of the breath in see if there's a pause space just wait in the pause until your intuition tells you it's time to breathe out and then breathe out for as long as it feels comfortable to do so. And at the end of that breath out, you're pausing again, waiting to see when it feels like the right time to breathe in. So just carry on with that practice. And then as you're doing the process of breathing in and breathing out, Use the hand on your chest to sense whether there's any movement there. So there may be a lifting up of your hand very slightly and very subtly as you breathe in. There may be a movement sinking inwards 
as you're breathing out. So if there's a movement, just be aware of it. If there isn't a movement, just be aware of the weight and the warmth of your hand on your chest. And stay with that same speed and pattern. Breathing in and pausing. And when you're ready to breathe out, you breathe out and pause. So I'm going to stop talking and just let us do that practice together. After your next breath out, just let your hand come to rest on your lap. Just continue the breathing process now. Just focused on the flow and movement of the breath in. Following what your body's telling you about when to breathe out. Just do one more breath. And then if your eyes are closed, just gradually open them and return to the present moment. Just gradually become aware of the weight of your body in your chair the feeling of your hands on your lap, the light in the room. And you're coming back into the present moment. And hopefully there's the beginnings of a sense of calm building there. So that was just about five or six minutes worth of meditation there. So if you were to extend that out for a little bit longer, that ability to get yourself into a calm place becomes a deeper and more embedded experience. And then if you are doing a regular meditation practice, it's something that you can drop into really quickly, really smoothly. And on your everyday situations, that's an easy thing to do. But when life is getting difficult, that's when you need that background practice to go, yeah, I know I can do this. So when there's a difficulty going on, it can sometimes feel a little bit more difficult, but you know the process. So it's just a question of repeating the process. 
and allowing that movement of slow, calming breath to get you into that calmer space again. So that is um, uh, like an extract of an introduction of uh, a breath that I do for a lot of my meditations called the nine breaths. And that is that sort of takes you into literally nine alternate breaths through your nostrils, which again is a really nice way, um, a, a, a structured way to help downregulate your mind from doing lots of this mm -hmm. to just easing down. So to wrap up our conversation, I am trying to switch up my final questions for my guests uh, this season, just to bring a little fun and, and uh, you know, something different to the podcast. So my final question for you is, if you could have dinner with any three people who are dead or alive, who would they be and why? Okay, so... Um... Two of my people are dead and one is alive. Um, so the first person that I would invite is Thich Nhat Hanh. He is, or was, should I say, because he's now dead, a Vietnamese monk. And um, he has been a really powerful advocate for peace. Um, so he lived through the Vietnam War, came over to um, America and to Europe to talk to people about what the reality is of living within war. And that, you know, obviously it's horrible. You guys are suffering, we're suffering. We need to try and come to a peaceful resolution. So he was a very, very powerful meditation teacher. He had the uttermost skill in writing books, which, um, they were just so inspirational and he was he's always really good at coming up with little phrases that you can use to keep in your mind. So one of the ones so I'm slightly paraphrasing it here, it's not the exact phrase he's used is is something along the lines of don't let anxiety flood your mind. <clears throat> don't let fear flood your mind because it will paralyze you. And then you won't be able to work out what the solution is to a situation. And there is always a solution of some sort. So he would come up with these amazing, simple ways of looking at your own experiences and then giving you an, an alternative idea to think about to help get you through it. So, yeah, he's um, yeah a really inspirational teacher for me on the meditation side of things. Um, my person who's alive is uh, a friend of mine called Kate Codrington. She's written a book called Second Spring, which is all about how to get through and survive, not survive. It's much more positive than that. It's the positive aspects of perimenopause and menopause. So she's got uh, a long background as a therapist, massage therapist, um, and running women's sort of health circles. So she brought all of this experience into writing her book. And um, and there's now, about the time that she published, shortly after that, there's now been a big surge of books about menopause and programs about menopause and you know the reality of how it can affect people, um, what solutions are out there. So we could have a real geek off conversation about her book and people that we've worked with and, our, you know, our own experiences as well. Um, 
The third person would be um, to have my dad back at the dinner table. So he died, I think it's about eight years ago now. And we never really had a lot of time to talk when he was alive for various reasons. He was also of a culture which meant that um, as a daughter, I was meant to spend time with my mum and learn womanly things. Um, and I wasn't meant to spend time with him, which meant that there was always a little bit of a barrier between us, even though we lived together in the same house. So I would like to get him on his own and be able to spend some time and just gently ease into having the conversations, some of the conversations that we never got round to doing when I was living at home when he was alive. So he um, got dementia and around about the time or shortly after I started meditating. And one of the reasons I started meditating is because I wanted to improve my relationship with my parents. And I realized there was this lack of connection between me and my dad. And I wanted to try and resolve that. I wasn't able to try and resolve it whilst he was alive in a way that meant I could have a conversation with him. So I resolved it in my mind and in my heart, but I couldn't discuss my conclusions and the way I'd done it with him. Mm -hmm. And so I'd really like to have that conversation with him. One of the interesting things uh, that I came up with when I was meditating on, you know, what is this relationship and why is he like he is, is I visualized him as a tree on his own in a prairie or on the steps. My dad was Ukrainian. So this idea of being a Cossack on the steps sort of fed into that idea. So he was this tree on his own, um, completely self-sufficient, and I had originally thought that that would be quite isolated. But as I did this meditation and imbued this idea of the tree with his spirit, I realized that he was talking to the wind. He was talking to the grasses. So he wasn't actually on his own. He was communicating with everything around him. And he was completely happy and content in that space. And... That was a great comfort to me and it helped me understand um, how he or how I thought he was. So I would really love to have that conversation with him and see what he thinks of it. <laughs> that's great. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. I, um, I, whenever I come up with these final questions, <laughs> I always try to think of an answer for myself and definitely, um, my dad would be one of the people as well. Um, and then uh, I thought about who would the other two people be. And I would honestly say probably Stevie Wonder mm -hmm. um, because I just, I love his music and I just would love to talk and discuss what, um, you know, how he came up with certain songs and what makes him, uh, you know how how he writes the way he does as far as the music and the lyrics and um things you know of that nature related to music and just him living life with a disability he's been one person who uh i've always used as an example of yes he's blind and he also writes the best music 
you know, <laughs> that has been written in the last, you know, last century, probably. He, uh, he really is, is just an amazing person who happens to be blind. Uh, yeah. And that has been my real example, I think, of a person who lives with a disability. Yes, he, he doesn't hide it. He can't hide it. Um, it's not that he overcame his disability. He lives with it every day and it has impacts on his life, real life impact uh, on yeah. his life every day. And he works through it. He adapted, you know, to the life uh, that he has to live being uh, blind um, and has become very successful at writing songs and, and performing and, and everything else that he does. Um, and then the third person, which is probably no secret to anyone who has listened to this podcast before, is Patti LaBelle. I am a huge Patti LaBelle fan. <laughs> and I've met her a bunch of times and, um, you know, had, had great encounters with her uh, at different events that I've been at uh, where she is. Uh, but to really sit down and, and have uh, dinner and, and a conversation with her uh, would would definitely be uh, the third person <laughs> that I that I choose. <laughs> so and I, I enjoy her music as well. And just as I said, I've met her plenty time plenty of times and uh, her kindness in those brief moments that I've had uh, the chance to be in her presence is just like really, really amazing and, and would love to uh, have a chance to spend more. So it sounds like your dinner would actually be a party. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> with with good music. Absolutely, <laughs> a good a good party with with good music for sure. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Wow. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. Um, and before we go, I wanted to ask: Is there um, do you have a website or any social media sites that people can follow you on? Um, you know, to to keep up with what you're doing. Sure. So my website is www.wisdom-mind.co.uk. If you want to download a free meditation, there's a nine breath meditation on there. You can download that. And there is a PDF on there at the moment, which explains how meditation helps with anxiety and depression. Um, and in a few weeks time, I'm going to have one up there for, for helping cope with grief as well um social media i am on facebook and you can find me at anya stoddart wisdom mind that's all one long word mm -hmm. for finding me on facebook but be cool to see anybody there that wants to come along and join in the conversation yes yes thank you so much and i really enjoyed this conversation i really enjoyed um you know getting to learn about what you do and the importance of uh, things like mindfulness meditation and acupuncture and how it can have a positive uh, impact on uh, the body and the mind, uh, not just for people with disabilities, but, uh, you know, everyone uh, can benefit from this. And, and that's why I really wanted to um, have this conversation with you. And I, um, I, I have a, a mental health Monday uh, that I put out uh for this podcast and this uh definitely falls in line with that uh with that whole idea of of taking care of yourself and, and mental health and it's very important and i know a lot of people have said it and um especially over the last three years with the pandemic and uh just the way of 
the things in the world and, and life's uh, pressures that are on everyone in different yep. ways. And, and just, uh, as you just mentioned with grief, uh, that's been a big thing for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big thing every, every year for a lot of people and especially with the pandemic going on. Um, you know, so I, I feel this is a great, uh, a great conversation to have and to just really uh, give people some uh, encouragement and ways that they can uh, focus on themselves for a few minutes. As you said, um, you know, taking a couple minutes every day just to refocus and to let the thoughts come, but let them drift away and, and just, uh, you know, slow everything down for a minute will be, uh, can be very helpful to, to everyone. So, Anya, thank you for uh, joining me today for this episode. I really appreciated uh, this conversation and enjoyed our time. Thank you. It's been brilliant talking to really good fun. Oh, great. Thank you. And I will be in touch with you soon. Take care. You too. (laughs) This concludes this episode of the Our View podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on all social media platforms at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. If you have a topic or a person, or if you are a person who would like to be interviewed for an upcoming episode of the podcast, send us a DM on Instagram, send us a message on Facebook, or you can email me at ourviewforlife at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.